we want to be supporting and elevating women within our workforces. And some of the things that we've already talked about doing are establishing stronger mentorship programs, establishing stronger, more flexible um, uh, leave programs within our own environments, moving to flexible work arrangements, um, allowing for different schedules that can work for different families, and not overlooking the smaller details of the types of benefit programs that we have in place. And those are the pieces that I get most worried about. I get most worried that when we step away to take care of our families, the hard part is when you come back into a workplace and you know you still have the skills, you know you're strong in these areas, you know you can contribute, but maybe your confidence is down because the politics of your environment have changed, the culture has evolved, the communication, the vocabulary has evolved and changed. And so when I think about how do we solve for that, I think about the soft skills, I think about the things that we're able to, to add on the Udemy platform, but I also think how do we enable women to come back and in a flexible way, um, still get exposure to, to those soft skills that are so critical as you move up within an organization. Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blastine Adeshio, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Hello, thank you so much for joining me on the Mother Honestly podcast. I am your host for today's episode, Kristen Hall, the COO of Mother Honestly, and I am so excited to have Kara Brennan Alamano join me today, who's the SVP of Human Resources at Udemy. Kara, how are you? Thank you so much for joining. Really happy to be here. Thank you. And would love to hear a little bit more about your background in your own words, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners a little bit more about you. Yeah, happy to share. I've been in HR for about for more than 20 years now and um, more than a decade in high growth technology companies, primarily headquartered out of the Bay Area, but have definitely worked at a global scale. And in, in most recently, I, I founded the HR function at Pinterest. I was at Planet um, and we, we built satellites that image the earth um, on a daily basis. And then now I've been at Udemy for about two and a half years. At, prior to that, earlier in my career, I was in media and advertising. So have run the gamut of different types of organizations at different levels of scale. And I've always definitely had an interesting ride. That's great. And I love that you have a kind of a variety in your background that it gives you great exposure to different people that you would encounter across the different companies that you've been at. And what drew you into the HR field initially? I know you said you started kind of in, in media and marketing and advertising a little bit, but what for the 20 years that you spend in HR, you know, what's been the draw to stay as well? You know, it's really interesting. I started my career and I was, I was really lucky. I, I graduated with an English degree, which I actually think is a great foundation to have, but it's not one of those jobs, you know, uh, it's not one of those degrees where you graduate and it's like, and here's your job. You know, it's you graduate, you have a subset of skills, and then it's about creating a career for yourself. 
And I was really lucky to have parents that encouraged me to try some new things. And, and so I first went into to advertising, ended up at a financial services company. And, and it was there at Franklin Templeton where I realized I was really interested in what the HR folks were doing. They were coming in, they were doing a really broad range of things, everything from, you know, benefits and compensation to helping us think about our own career paths, helping us up level into different roles. And, and they were the caretakers of the organization and, and focused on the cultural piece. And so I found myself hanging out with those folks, learning about what they were doing. And I, it came to a point where my path was either going to be going deeper into financial analysis and working in their bond group, a municipal bond group, or making a decision to, to move on and really focusing on, on getting a role in HR. And I had the opportunity then to move into the HR function, and I haven't looked back since then. That's awesome. And it was great that you, as you mentioned, you had some great mentors that in that field that helped you kind of on that path. What would you recommend for women that are up and coming, you know, from your experience in recruiting and learning development, or if they're kind of trying to make a decision similar to what you had of, you know, knowing that HR might be the best after them? You know what? HR for so long has not been a sexy path. And I think part of that is because so much of our work is, is behind the scenes. But I, I have experienced, especially in the last year with the acceleration of our, our virtual work environments and the intense amount of change that we've had within organizations and the true focus on reskilling entire communities and organizations of people that the HR role has has come to the fore. This has been an evolution that's been happening for about the last decade when we're realizing that um, as we move to really focus on knowledge work, that nobody has to make the case anymore that talent is the key driver within an organization. So I'm seeing a lot more interest in HR as a profession and the different tenants of HR. And I would encourage people to be curious because what I think people don't understand is there's a lot to be done within the HR function, whether it is you're interested in the more outward facing recruiting roles, whether you have more of an analytic mind and you want to go into the compensation and strategy side of it, or, or you want to just really be people focused and culture focused. And that's more on the HR business partnering side. And then we have learning and development, which is that teaching and facilitating role. So I find that it's really anyone who see who is interested in business, which I think is a primary thing that you need to want to you want to be able to drive the success of businesses, and then secondary understanding how to connect people and skills to that to that key um, business success. Anybody who's interested in those two pieces, which I actually think qualifies as a substantial group of, of people who are early in their careers, anybody who's interested in those should consider HR as a profession. And we're seeing a lot more thought leadership within the HR function and a lot more growth paths to, to the C-suite and beyond. We're, I'm, I'm really encouraged that I'm seeing more HR leaders at the board level. And so for me, this is, this is the best time to, to get involved in HR as a profession. And I think there are only good, good things to come in terms of upward mobility for, for professionals interested in HR. 
Now more than ever, women are demanding a quick recovery after surgery. Women are incredibly proactive when it comes to their health and ask their doctors a number of questions prior to surgery. Unfortunately, there's one topic that they often forget to discuss, which can directly impact their recovery experience, non-opioid pain management options. Non-opioid options used before, during, and after surgery can effectively manage pain while minimizing the need for opioids and limiting a patient's downtime after surgery. Planning for surgery? Unlock your X Factor by visiting yourxfactor.com forward slash M8 to learn more about non-opioid pain management options and raise your expectations for what is possible after surgery. Is, you know, women are normally the primary caregivers and we're seeing a lot of a large portion having to step back to you know, either exit the workforce for a period of time, either to care for their children at homeschooling or with, you know, elderly parents as such and the ramifications that come with that. It had been prevalent prior to COVID, but really mm -hmm. COVID, we've seen such a large exodus of women from the workforce. You know, what are you seeing as like the long-term implications for the workforce and, you know, initial thoughts on with women exiting the workforce, how do we kind of bring them back into the workforce after we get mm -hmm. kind of stabilized in this period. Well, it's definitely a concern. And I just, I think the reality, as well as the early numbers that we're seeing are, are really challenging for people on the HR side of the house. I think for everyone, I think it's a huge risk, not just to folks who are running businesses, but the economy overall. And at the national level, if we do not allow for women to play a key role in business and find a way to help women feel supported in returning to work, we, we're gonna have a key challenge societally. So just recognizing that I think is really important. I think the other interesting thing is that we fundamentally have not created public programs that support women and we've relied on women to be our social safety net by default. And unfortunately, the gains that we've seen in the last five years economically, I think a lot of the credit can go to women who have really elevated their careers, have driven success from a business perspective. And we were just starting to, to see some of the outcomes that we wanted to see on that from a gender parity perspective, definitely early days, but we were starting to see that from the HR side of the house that some of the programs that we were implementing and, and the resources we were putting to, to promoting and upskilling women and making sure they had the mentorship and sponsorship they needed to be successful. We were just beginning to see some of the, the early wins there. I think, you know, my personal point of view is that we have to solve this both from the company side and from the policy side. And um, without getting into a lot of, of policy discussion, I do believe things like supportive maternity leave for primary caregivers, I think equally important for partners is to provide partners to the primary caregivers and women who are just functionally recovering from a birth. Those two things need to happen together and they need to happen consistently at a national scale because we've seen the the results in organizations that have provided both primary and secondary caregiver leave 
they have better numbers in terms of women being able to return to work after a period of care. I agree also from an extended care perspective that it's important to provide people with access to leaves if they need to take care of family members, not just new babies. And then I think we do need to address childcare just foundationally. That is why women have left the workforce primarily during COVID. And in order to address that from a longer term perspective, we're going to need to look at that from a policy perspective and I believe a broader governmental solution there. That being said, I will tell you from the business side, this is a huge conversation among the CHROs that I'm lucky to be networked with and my colleagues who are sitting in my seat. We want to be supporting and elevating women within our workforces. And some of the things that we've already talked about doing are establishing stronger mentorship programs, establishing stronger, more flexible leave programs within our own environments, moving to flexible work arrangements, allowing for different schedules that can work for different families, and not overlooking the smaller details of the types of benefit programs that we have in place. For example, Over the past year at Udemy, we've implemented a financial wellness solution, additional mental health benefits, telehealth support. And prior to that, we had recently implemented family support to help support those family members that may have health concerns as a benefit. So these things, while they may seem incremental alone, together can create a workplace where women feel more supported, have more options, and then can choose for themselves and their families what works. And to me, it's really about creating options for women and and particularly mothers who are caring for children during this COVID time so that they can themselves work within their own family structures to see what will work. And then the second piece from a career perspective is to understand that women, when they come back to these flexible work arrangements, will still need to have the opportunities um, laid out for them from a career perspective, and will need the opportunity to upskill. And I saw a lot of work being done immediately prior to COVID. We've seen so much growth within um, Udemy itself. I mean, we're an upskilling platform. And by, be able, by being able to provide opportunities for upskilling that, again, are flexible and women can take advantage of at any time, you know, after dinner, after the kids are in bed, instead of just having formal, you know, go away for three days and learn X, Y, and Z in order to progress your career, I think is going to be critical as we return to work and women continue to try to navigate their workplace in their in their home environments. Who said business and pleasure can't mix? Check out Lincoln.com. Luxury vehicles designed with you in mind. Thoughtful interiors and insightful technologies that provide an effortless ownership experience. You touched on so many great points there, and I want to make sure that I capture all of them. Um, So I'll kind of jump around for a moment. But first, you know, ending with the upskilling, I think that's a great perspective in that. 
Are you seeing certain trends in upskilling that you recommend for people that may have had to step away or, you know, what the next wave of that upskilling we may need for our workforce? Yeah, definitely. What we're seeing on the platform is people in the past have often thought of upskilling as, oh, I'm going to learn this new technical skill. I'm going to learn this tactical framework. And they, they've often seen, you know, learning as a very, as, as a point in time scenario where they'll, they'll learn a discrete skill and then go back to work and, and boom, they've got it done. What I'm seeing now is those hard, what we would define as hard skills and what we're seeing on our platform are, yes, people are still learning those hard skills, but they're learning, but they're focusing even more. And we've seen a huge acceleration in soft skills learning. And those are the things like communication skills, listening skills, influencing skills, management skills, leadership skills, mentoring skills. And what's interesting for women is I have, I, as women, we often over-index on those hard skills because we've had to. We've had to learn that we don't get to walk into a room and have fundamental credibility in our hard skills. We often have to prove it um, and prove it to ourselves um, so, we, so we don't feel like we, we're imposters in our roles, but also prove it to other people and, and prove it with degrees and certifications and all those things, which I think will continue to be ongoing and, and actually encourages uh, you know, I'm encouraged that I, I see a lot of my female leaders and, and females early in their careers really focused on having the skills down pat, those hard skills. What you lose when you leave the, when you leave the workplace is not your capability to, um, or, or those hard skills that you've learned, right? What you lose are the soft skills because you lose the practice you lose your you lose the dynamics that you have at the workplace where you've had to exercise your influencing muscle every day where you're working within your teams and you're staying on top of the communication that's happening and the evolution of of the strategy within the business that you can then match your managerial skills to and those are the pieces that i get most worried about i get most worried that when we step away to take care of our families the hard part is when you come back into a workplace and you know you still have the skills, you know you're strong in these areas, you know you can contribute, but maybe your confidence is down because the politics of your environment have changed, the culture has evolved, the communication, the vocabulary has evolved and changed. And so when I think about how do we solve for that, I think about the soft skills, I think about the things that we're able to, to add on the Udemy platform, but I also think how do we enable women to come back and in a flexible way, um, still get exposure to, to those soft skills that are so critical as you move up within an organization. I love the way you framed that because it's not one that I necessarily have heard before about when we return or see people returning from a break in the workforce. Um, that yeah, most of their dialogue has really shifted on the home front. It may not be engaging in the same sort of office politics or that where you, know, you get pretty sharp at you know, understanding someone's email and rhetoric and what's really behind that. Um, what would you recommend for um, two points here? What, women that need to take a break, be it to care for elderly parents, to care for their families, or we've had a couple reach out for, you know, mental health breaks right now. How do you encourage people to 
advocate for themselves in a way that isn't detrimental in asking for a leave. And then for those that have had to take a leave, you know, what do you recommend for, this is a different than kind of we've seen the gaps on the resume. So it could be more understanding if people had to take a caregiving leave now, but what do you recommend for people that are returning after a leave or advocating for those skill sets to return to the workforce? I think the really, the first important thing is don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions that things are even the same as they were five years ago. Things have evolved a lot within organizations. Um, they've a lot, even during COVID, they've they've evolved a lot in terms of of policy. We now have COVID leaves that um, we're we are required and enabled to offer to women and caretakers, and these are job protected leaves at the national level. So I would first say go in with an open mind for yourself, because I think sometimes women are self-limiting and saying, oh, that could never happen. You know, this will be a career killer for me, X, Y, Z. And understand that people in my seat and CHROs are talking to CEOs, are talking to across the executive staff to make sure that that as an organization and as a, that folks understand it's a business imperative to support people through this crisis and and through this this economic change that we're all seeing so understand that there there are foundational legal options that you have that you didn't have before and i believe also cultural options so things look a little different and that can be different for you i think the second thing is to be informed and to work with your hr function to be aware of what all your options are and ask questions, say, okay, what does a plan A look like if I needed to take this through that process? Or maybe something that is your, you or your family have a, an extreme need for right now could be solved with some of the new benefits that we offer. So first I would say is, is learn and be open to what the solutions could look like. And the second piece is if you get to a place where you still feel like you don't have options with your current employer, understand that there are many employers out there that are are working to make themselves even more attractive as people want to return to the workplace. And there's lots of returnships. There's lots of opportunity to come back and and reduce roles or shared um, work. And I think most important to me is, is that women understand that if if they are interested in having a path back to their career, that there are people out there that are supportive of that and a way back in. You touched on so many great points there. You know, I was writing down just as it, I always take show notes when we're listening, but I think it is a good thing to reinforce the people to not assume to do their research. It's the same thing we tell, you know, a lot of women when they're looking at their salary negotiations or they're looking at, you know, going out for mm-hmm. positions, women for them underestimate their value a lot. They assume that they need to hit hundred percent on the job description to be able to go out for that role. And I think it's the same thing, you know, when we approach the leave aspect of it as well, or figuring out what options are available is to be open-minded to have done your research or at least starting kind of down that path and then seeing what's out there. And I love that you touched on as well, you know, your current employer, this is also, I feel like a great opportunity for people to weigh where they're at, because mm-hmm. if you found that your company necessarily wasn't supporting the values and 
the goals that you have for yourself on a personal level, we're seeing more of an intersection now than we ever have between professional and personal worlds colliding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good time to evaluate where you are as well. I want to close with asking you one last question. You know, in the 20 years that you've been doing human resources and, you know, helping develop people, what's, you know, your go-to advice when someone comes to you uh, looking for mentorship or guidance in their career? Um, you know, what are usually your kind of go-to mantra or advice for women in any field? Yeah, my advice is, what do you like doing? How do you, if you could spend your time doing anything, what would you do? And if you don't have a direct answer to that, go and get experience in terms of a hobby, a, a, you know, a, a, a group of, of women that have interesting jobs or among your friends, ask questions, be curious. And, and like Udemy, we have a ton of opportunities for learning and exploring different avenues and different types of careers and different, and different skill sets. I think a lot of time women can limit themselves and there's many reasons for that, right? Because we may not have been given all the, we may not have had people that said the whole world's available to you. You know, what do you want to choose? Um, and and my goal in having conversations with, with folks that are mentoring is saying, no, in fact, the whole world is available to you. And it's it's that opportunity is accelerating. So make sure you're not self-limiting by saying, oh, the best path. And I love when we close with episodes where we've hit so many great takeaways that people will walk away saying, okay, yep, I absolutely got something from this episode. And this is definitely one of those. So Kara, thank you so much. How can people continue to follow your journey and what you're doing at Udemy, both professionally and personally? You know what? I love I love to, uh, being connected with folks. I love being supportive. It's not just what I do in my day job. This is something that I actually enjoy more broadly. So, you know, take a look. I'm a Forbes contributor, so I'll be publishing some more on that platform. Udemy has some amazing courses that I'd suggest that you take a look at. I leverage that from a career perspective. And, you know, take a look at any of the folks that that are thought leaders in the HR field. I think we as HR professionals, don't, we often are the person behind the person. And my goal is actually to share that as a profession, it's a great path. There's lots of options and there's lots of learning out there um, on the people side of business. Awesome, Kara, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing your additional contributions to Forbes. We'll include those with our show as well on your past work and any upcoming. Thank you so much for being a guest today on the podcast. I wish you well. I hope you and your family stay safe and stay well in the coming weeks and months and enjoy having hopefully a more positive 2021. Thank you again. I know, thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for tuning into the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more relevant content for the ambitious mom, head on over to motherhonestly.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Mother Honestly. Love our podcast. We want to hear from you. Please rate and review our podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We love growing at Mother Honestly and your reviews help us grow. Stay safe, stay well, and always stay ambitious.